This is Financial Standard, the definitive source of news, thought leadership and analysis for Australian wealth management professionals. Financial Standard. Take the lead. The past week saw the country's largest super fund, Australian Super, admit to breaching the rules around intra-fund consolidation, having maintained multiple accounts for about 100,000 former and current members. As a result, each member account was charged fees by the fund, which will now refund a total of $70 million, or on average, $650 to each member. Following the incident, Super Consumers Australia said Australian Super's failure to abide by the rules calls for greater transparency and action by regulators. Here with me today to discuss the events and what regulatory action might look like is a holding Red Lick partner, Superannuation, Luke Hooper. Luke, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Cassie. So how is it possible that a super fund could make such an error? First of all, I don't act for Australian super, so I have no visibility on how this occurred. And I think in this case, or I would imagine in this case, Australian super might have caught itself out and reported a breach, not on a failure of it to have processes to identify multiple accounts, but by identifying via that process that it charged certain members multiple times. So we're talking about the multiple accounts, but I think the breach might actually be the fact that it was charging the multiple um, members multiple times. Putting that aside, though, there are probably a number of ways I think these errors could occur, and I think they would all likely have their root cause in data entry. Data provided to super funds probably comes from, I think, three main sources. The employer, the member, and then administrators and trustees upon a successor fund transfer. And now, assuming that the tax file number is correctly disclosed and inputted, you'd assume a pretty solid starting point for good data. So you sort of go, well, it must be difficult not to reconcile multiple accounts if the TFN is, is exact. Um, but I think hu- human error seeps in at every crack along the way to create bad data. And for example, you can get members failing to disclose the correct TFN in the first place. And now in the super industry, we all know that has tax implications on contributions, but I think real people out there neither know nor care about that. So you do have that problem as a starting point. Um, that sort of bit of anchor data might be incorrect. You've got members with different names that are inconsistently inputted into forms whether it's a maiden name or other. Um, I've got two first names, for example, and so my banking passports and everything creates major problems. Um, and, you know, even as a young adult, I had difficulties with that. So people just putting in their own incorrect or inconsistent data to start off with, um, even though they think that data is correct. Um, members providing incomplete information, the employers providing bad data. I've seen that a lot. Um, members rejoining funds, forgetting they were a member of a fund, um, and then rejoining. They've changed the job, changed the address. I think the conversion of paper to electronic forms, fat finger errors in electronic forms can create a number of problems. So the list goes on. So trustees are required to have procedures in place to identify the multiple accounts they have and to follow those procedures and to merge those multiple accounts they identify at least annually. So that's what the law says. but. The issue here is the requirement is to give effect to the procedures and to merge the multiple accounts that those trustees identify. 
So it's actually possible to comply with the law and not identify multiple accounts within your fund, no matter how good your auditing system, auditing or your systems are, in order to pick up the data entry errors. And I imagine probably with Australian Super, it's the largest super fund, mm -hmm. would have had good systems in place. And these good systems, ironically, alerted to a breach. So that's the starting point. But I also think there's a key exposure that arises and will arise more so over time, being the success fund transfers. That's where the third source of data probably comes from, where we get the transmission of bad data from, um, from an administrator or a transfer or trustee during a success fund transfer. And Aussie Super is no stranger to SFTs, both now and I would imagine back around 2013 when um, some of these accounts originated. And I do a number of super fund mergers and often issues such as data testing and cleansing often arise in the background, both as an operational issue and sometimes as a contractual issue. You might find their way in the merger documents requiring certain data requirements. So to my mind, absent any negligence by Aussie Super, I could imagine scenarios where trustees are quite exposed to bad data, subverting their best efforts to clean, to clean up consolidated accounts. Obviously, account stapling is aimed at reducing duplicate accounts. However, super funds have been required for some time now to undertake account consolidation within their own funds where appropriate. And this is obviously a failure on that front. So do you think this should be tied to regulations and what might that look like? Look, stapling is pretty new and I don't think it necessarily is a response to multiple accounts as it's a response to employees being members of multiple funds. So it serves a different purpose to the rules requiring trustees to identify the multiple accounts within their own funds. But in saying that, I think stapling relies upon a few things and the pivotal thing may be this, the employer and employee being made aware or acting together to make the employee aware in clear and certain terms that the employee can, in effect, choose their staple, choose to be stapled to um, a previous fund by doing absolutely nothing at all. But if an employee somehow bypasses that step by completing a standard choice form and probably ticking the default fund box, that stapling falls away. So stapling may work over time, and again, assuming that the ATO has good data itself. But I don't think you could get to your second part of your question. I don't think you could get to tighter regulation. I mean, this is pretty clear on what's required with the consolidation requirement, and it's drafted in pretty specific and precise terms. I think backing that up, the trustees have the Section 52 covenants that also implicitly require them to consolidate multiple accounts if they are identified. So I think legal requirement and punishment is probably appropriate at the moment. But if Aparasic, because they both regulate this space in the CIS Act, think things could be done better in a certain manner, they should definitely provide guidance. I think, as I previously stated, trustees are most likely stuck trying to reconcile bad data. And I would imagine they are stuck with this data rather than trying to find a way to weasel out small sums over long periods of time at some great risk to their reputations. And it's also important to note that Australian Super self-reported the breach to ASIC and APRA. But even so, what do you think their response is likely to be? Look, look I, I actually noticed with interest that Australian Super may have a specific sub-plan for ASIC employees. So it's found itself in an incredibly unenviable position. 
look, this is a quite a complex matter, and I would assume that the trustee is considering its liability position, I'd say, from both a penalty and refund position um, to the regulators, but also to members and potentially employers if any of those employers were paying fees on behalf of members that maybe they shouldn't have. I don't know if we have a question here also of multiple insurance premium payments. So with this, I think it's one of those issues that hits into a heap of rules on both the CIS and Corporations Act side plus general trust law. And I think the regulators will need to carefully consider how the error was identified and whether it was by fluke or by good quality risk and compliance measures that have adapted over time to find these problems that you know, it could not have reasonably been found over the previous 10 years. Um, I would assume no malicious intent or gross negligence, but it's clear that this is a reportable breach, um, that this reportable both to ASIC and APRA, and you tend to be able to report to one of those and they'll tell the other, probably meaning from the ASIC side there are various civil penalty provisions that have been struck, um, to my mind more so on the AFSL side of life than on the CIS side. Assuming that the breach is the charging of multiple accounts and not the failure to try to identify those multiple accounts in the first place. Look, I think it's clear ASIC and APRA will be seeking out these kind of issues in the near future. And I think the best thing for other trustees to do is not worry so much about the regulator's approach to Aussie Super, but to focus on their own housekeeping. Do they have the systems in place to periodically seek to identify multiple accounts? And what's the likelihood, do you think, that we will see more of this kind of thing as super funds continue to grow? Oh, look, I think wherever there's bad data, there will always be a risk. There is a degree of human error which is outside of the trustee's control here. Um, But maybe as data and data sources become more consolidated and cleansed, that risk may reduce for them. I think the main thing here is to understand that trustees, I think they need to ensure that their compliance processes are maintained at an acceptable level and that they can adapt and evolve as they grow larger in size or as certain events occur, such as super fund mergers. So I think the main thing there will be provided trustees realise that compliance is not a set and forget, but it's actually um, an evolutionary relationship throughout the life of the fund, um, maybe we might see less of this. Well, Luke, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing those insights. Thanks so much for your time, Cassie. Thanks for listening to this Financial Standard podcast. For more information, visit financialstandard.com.au. Please keep in mind that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider personal circumstances. Reliance should not be placed on any content without further independent financial research and advice. 